statement in his word. In some of his writings, he says the goal of evangelism is worship. In other words, the reason we come to Christ and the highest goal of that is that we get to worship. Think of the reality if you did not know Jesus. You would have just wasted half of of a service. Have you ever thought about that? Because what is the point of all standing in rows, looking up front, singing songs to someone who's not here? Except for we know that he's alive and that he's real. And our greatest privilege is singing these love songs to the God that made us, isn't it? And so all of a sudden, just even those words that you just sing, it is your breath in our lungs, the resurrected life that we live, that gives us this joy and opportunity, not just to do a sing-along or a karaoke service, but to worship the God of heaven that made us. I love listening to you all worship, and I love you guys leading us in worship. We are a fortunate church. Go ahead and have a seat. So, um, last week was Easter, and we celebrated this remarkable idea, this idea that's unbelievable to think about, is that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. People had been raised from the dead before that. In the Old Testament, some of the prophets actually raised people from the dead, but there's a problem with that. They had to die again, didn't they? They were just given a repose from death, but they weren't resurrected to life forever, were they? Even in the New Testament, even Jesus' closest friend that is one of the reasons that they so desperately wanted to kill him is because he had raised Lazarus from the dead. I think that Lazarus was disappointed to be raised from the dead Because he had already been in heaven for a couple days, and he'd already been with God, and then God said, I have some good news, and I have some bad news. Your sisters are going to be really happy. I think you're going to be a little disappointed. But Lazarus eventually died, right? But Jesus Christ's resurrection is a new kind of resurrection. Because Jesus Christ is still alive. And when Jesus Christ raised up from the dead, he changed things for us. And so instead of just doing, okay, Easter, let's fold that up and let's be done, I want to extend Easter a little bit. And I want us to think through this reality. Not that someday we will be raised from the dead. Boy, do I look forward to that. I hope I don't even have to die. And I'll be in the presence of God. But God didn't just call us to resurrection as a way that will give us hope beyond the confines of this world. We're supposed to live resurrected now. Corinthians says this, that that the kingdom of God is not a matter of mere words, but it's a matter of power. And that word used in Corinthians is the same word that describes Christ being raised from the dead. So I want us to live in resurrection power. That's what I want for you more than anything. So for a couple weeks, we're going to stretch this out and we're going to talk about what does it mean when the Word of God says we live a resurrected life. Not eventually, but what does that mean now? What does that look like 
now. Let's, let's just recap a little bit of Easter here. So we're going to talk about resurrected living, but we have to remember something. In Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14 says, is if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If Christ hadn't raised from the dead, then faith as we know it wouldn't exist. It, it went on further in that, and he says, without resurrection, he says, and if Christ had not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Do you want to be defined by everything that you did wrong? Do you want God to see you that way? No, we don't want that. But because of Christ raising from the dead, instead of seeing our sinfulness, if we ask Jesus Christ to be our Savior, He sees Christ's righteousness in each one of us. You know? In other words, we are totally righteous. You know? Not just the 80s totally righteousness, but we are righteous before God. And so resurrection is about our eternal future, and we talked about that. But resurrection is also about our life now. Because when Jesus Christ called himself the resurrection, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. So what does that mean? That's our question today. Our question is, what does resurrected life look like? And over the next two or three weeks, we're going to take a look at this idea of what resurrected life looks like and some of what Scripture says about this. And we're going to look at it from this perspective. Resurrected life is about the contrast between what we no longer are and that we are now. Now, here's the problem that we all have, is sometimes we get the two mixed up. And we, instead of living the no longer, we stay in the no longer instead of being in the now or the new that God has called us to. So let's just take a look at some of these scriptures and what they have to say. So, scripture says you are no longer your old self. You're no longer that. But you are now a new creature. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature creation the old has passed away and the new has come one of the words that's used to describe us asking jesus christ to be our savior is the word regeneration okay that we are no longer dead but we are alive that we are new we're looking forward to that we're looking outside and we're saying snow go away we want to see new grass we want to see new leaves on trees. We want to see new flowers, but we want to see those. We're seeing those on Facebook and other parts of the country, and we want to see it now. Why? Because there is a longing in every one of us to be new. Yeah. There is a reality that we appreciate that idea. Scripture draws it out in other passages. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. We're supposed to put off the old self which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupted through deceitful desires. And so there is an actual process where we have to change. I, I'm, I, on my days off, you, one of the ways that you might know that it's my day off this time of the year is I'm wearing my Liberty 
sweatshirt, okay? And there might be a little sawdust on it, okay? And it's starting to look a little tired. And so I know that eventually Nancy will say to me, you can wear that at home, but that's not a wear out places thing. What she's saying to me is what this verse says. It's time for you to put off the old self. We need to buy you a new self. We need to replace that. And, and we have to literally do this because we've practiced being old for so long that when God comes into our life, being new is hard. In fact, it goes on to say that. It says, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And so we have to do this. Occasionally, you'll feel this prompting in your spirit and, go, and your spirit will say, you're acting like yourself, but you're not acting like my son. And we literally have to ask God to help us put that off. And we have to ask God, like it says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we got to say, God, you got to change how my mind works. Because as we first come to Christ, all these things that we're supposed to be as Christians just seem like new options but we still eat off the old menu more than we want to imagine. God's calling us to set aside that and live new. He says this in the end of that passage. He says it's not only it's it's about a mindship in Colossians chapter 3 it says this, put off therefore what is earthly in you and it lists some of the things that are early, sexual immorality, impurity, improper passion, evil desires, having a heart that is jealous or covetousness, being filled with idolatry, which is worshiping something other than God. Later in that passage it says, in these you too, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. And it's saying, that, you know, that's where everybody's at. So when you're out in the world and people are acting a certain way, it shocks us a little bit, but we realize, you know what, that's just how the world acts. That's just how the world thinks. You know? When I, when I went away to Bible college and I came back from Bible college by first semester and I listened to people talk, I was not used to people talking that way because I'd been away from it. But the longer I was there, the more I could just fall right into it. I, I could easily be the old self. Because I, I walked in it for a while. It goes on in that passage, said, but now you must put them away. And it lists a whole bunch of things that we're supposed to put away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices. You know what's really interesting is when you take a look at these practices of the old self, they seem in direct opposition to what Galatians talks about as being the fruit of the Spirit, don't they? It's like somebody took the fruit of the Spirit and took all the antonyms of it, all the opposite words, and said, this is how before Christ we lived in our old self. You know? Have you heard anybody say that phrase? He's just getting back to being his old self. I hope we as believers never have that experience. Well, he's just back to being his old sinful self. Because we are new creatures and God is trying to change our mindset. As you read on in the passage, it says, and put on the new self, 
which is being renewed in the knowledge after, its Im- after the image of its creator. We have to put it on. Okay? We've got to get used to it. We've got to let it change our minds. That's why reading God's Word every day is so important. Because you've got to put on the Word. You've got to let it wash over you. You've got to let it be the habit of your life. Because you are so good at the old way. Uh, when I injured my foot last year, remember how I started walking funny? You know how hard it was? I had to intentionally tell my foot, we can't walk that way anymore. We have to walk normal. And the foot was saying, but I've gotten used to this kind of thing that we've been doing. No, we have to walk normal. That's what it's telling us. In this, You've got to put off that old way of walking. You've got to let God renew your mind and let you think differently because when you were resurrected at your salvation, this new life involves new thinking and a new way of living. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, and meekness and patience, bearing with one another, If someone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As God has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all else, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You see, when we are new, it's going to affect every single relationship we have in life. New isn't just about what you think. New is about how you interact with people. And you've had that experience before when somebody is in a crowd and they'll act a certain way. Sometimes the world even judges us and says, you can't act that way, that's not Christian. What they might be saying is, you're not acting new. You're acting just like the old self. So the first part of being resurrected is being new. Resurrected life is a new life. You are no longer want to feel like your old self. <laughs> you don't want to feel like your old self anymore. Because I am being made new. I hope that we mark every year of our life in Christ as, man, I, I'm thinking differently than I even did a year ago. Because God continues to make me new and my old self is being erased by the newness that He has for me. So the first thing that's a part of the resurrected life is being new. Here's the second one. We are no longer home. Okay? We are now guests. Well, you're thinking, well, well, that's interesting. In 1 Corinthians, it says this. It says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are no longer your own You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Um, Have you ever had somebody offer you their house to stay in? Have you ever had that experience? Sometimes, occasionally in our lives, we've traveled, and we get to stay in somebody's house. And they say, cook food there. There's stuff in the refrigerator. You can have that and all that kind of stuff. And it feels really awkward being a guest and trying to be at home in somebody else's house. Have you ever had that experience? You know? Uh, I remember one lady who was staying in another lady's house and she broke a dish. And she just felt horrible as a gift to have destroyed something in this lady's house. And I, I watched her be so apologetic about it because it wasn't hers. Now, if she had broken that same dish at her house, 
she would have just thrown it away and not lamented it at all and said, it's about time, I never really liked that dish anyway. And that's what the lady said to her. Don't worry about it. I never really liked that dish anyway. Oh, I know, but it's your dish. And it's... See, there's a different attitude we have when we're a guest in somebody's house instead of just thinking we're at home. You've got to start living out this phrase. If you're writing things in your Bible, next to this verse you should put down, we are not home. We did a Bible study about a year and a half ago here, and at the beginning of every Bible study, the guy would say, welcome not home yet. You know, sometimes we're working so hard at nesting and feeling comfortable here and feeling comfortable in this world, and we need to realize that we're not supposed to be home. A part of resurrected life is we realize we're even a guest in our own body. And we treat our body differently because we are concerned about what we're doing to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. The Word tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit, not to make Him feel uncomfortable. Have you ever gone to somebody's house and you're their guest and you just feel really uncomfortable there? Like they would really be glad if you weren't there at all? Have you ever had that experience? Do you, want to admit they, do you want the Holy Spirit to feel that way inside of you? We've got to reverse things. We are so used to our selfishness and our way of doing things and a way of seeing things, and God is in the process of transforming us. And one of the ways he's transforming us is we realize that this body is a steward that we live inside of that belongs to him, and we're a guest there instead of we being the owners and just doing whatever we want. That's why sin is to reject what God desires for us, to miss the mark. And occasionally we do that. We go, God, yeah, well, you know, I'm living in this body, God, and it's kind of mine, and I'm just going to do what I want. Hmm. But God is calling us to something. We are no longer at home, even in our body. We're a guest here. One author put it this way. He says, whenever we travel, we take God with us. And he says, what are some of the places that you're making God enter that maybe he's just a little awkward with? (laughs) Because my body is the home of the Holy Spirit who lives inside me. Wow. Wow. You know, in the book of Revelation at the beginning, there's this church, I believe it's the Ephesian church, where it talks about the reality that all of a sudden God wasn't comfortable in that church. And it said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. We've used that verse to describe people coming to Jesus. But what that verse is really about is that people who've shoved Jesus out of their life and God's just tapping saying, hey, I want back in. Is that what God is saying to you today? Is he saying, hey, I I just want back in? We need to reverse the roles and learn to be a guest in our lives instead of the owners of our lives. We were bought with a price. So when we think about this, resurrection is about a shift in ownership that makes you a guest in what was once your home. Resurrection life is the life of a guest. We can't be too comfortable because someday we'll be home and he's preparing it for us. 
but we are not home yet. One last thing. We are no longer a spectator. We are a participant. Okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 24, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain what? The prize. Some of us are great armchair quarterbacks. Some of us enjoy watching sports, going to sports. We have never played sports. But we love watching them. We think they're kind of awesome. We're pretty sure we could tell the people that are actually in the game what to do. You know? But we aren't actually playing in the game. Paul is challenging the people, saying, hey, you need to be a player. You need to be in the game. We're not just supposed to go to church and arm chair quarterback going, you know, the pastor had a pretty good sermon there, but that second point, he just really lost me. And if I were preaching that, the way I would handle it this way is, you know, I really like the worship song, but when they sang that one song, that extra verse, ah, I was already on to the next song. And, you know, all of these things that we can do to armchair quarterback even each other's lives. You know, you know, we get together and in the name of prayer for each other, we can go, have you seen what so-and-so is doing? I'm armchair quarterback in their life, and I really think that this is what they should be doing instead. God's calling us not to be spectators in life. He has resurrected us not to watch the game, but to be in the game. That's what He's called us to. I've given you this life. That's why Ephesians chapter. Chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourself, it is a gift of God, so that no one should vote. But then in verse 10 it says what? It says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he created for us beforehand. God has always planned for you to be in the game. So we're not spectators. The resurrected life is the life of people that participate. He goes on to say this, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, and I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, myself, I myself may be disqualified. In the book of Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 5, it says that Paul was seeking to take every thought captive. He's calling us to be a participant. You know, when I go to the bobsled track and I'm at the finish line, there are some of the better pilots And what they're doing the second afterward, they're not doing good game, good game, high five, high five. They are literally standing there and I'm watching them. And in the stillness of their mind, they're doing this. And they are recapturing every second of the race that they just were in. And they're trying to take every movement captive. 
The Germans have been beating us consistently. And I, I watch the Germans. They get done and immediately their coaches are there. And they huddle together in the warming house. And they are watching their race. And they are explaining everything that they need to do to take their race to the next level. They're taking every movement captive. What kind of athlete do you want to be for the Lord? How how do you want to live this resurrected life? Do you want to be the leisurely one that just kind of meanders through? Or do you want to be the powerhouse that God keeps on going, you know, uh, bring Greg into the game. He's ready. I've been watching how he's been practicing. I've been watching. Bring, bring, Bring Bruce into the game. He's ready. Or does God have to say, well, you know... I guess we can bring him in, but I don't know how this is going to turn out. God is calling us not to be a spectator. And that's a hard thing in our lives. We can spectate more hours of a day than we ever could before. Uh, We can spectate just by doing this. There are some people watching so much YouTube that they never do anything themselves. You know? They're watching somebody else participate in life. Well, they... Look at pictures of kitties doing silly little things. God is calling us into the game. He needs you. You know, I I put the core values back on the wall again and I changed them a little bit because we've gone through a couple membership classes lately. And in the, the membership classes, I always explain what these mean. And that's a covenant that we make together. And I thought, maybe we need to take what they mean and put them on the wall to remind ourselves what it means to be in the game as the body of Christ. God has called you not to spectate. God doesn't need any armchair quarterbacks. He is our wisdom. Okay? He doesn't need us on the sidelines of life going, well, I, you know, God could have done this in this area. You know, I, I'm not sure that he had the defensive coordinator. You know, I, that's not God. He knows what he's doing. We just need to have our hand up going, God, I'm ready. Put me in, God. Put me in. I don't want to sit on the bench for you. I certainly don't want to be in the stands for you. Put me in, God. Use me. Help me to live my resurrected life for you. You didn't call me to resurrect me, to watch other people have the Spirit of God work through them to do great things. You called every one of us to do that. Put me in, God. See, here's the reality. The resurrected life is not passive. We are not watching We're in the game. We are competing. The list is longer than this, but we'll stop here today. So here's three things. If Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you are new. You need to continue to put off the old self, the old liberty sweatshirt of life. That old pair of shoes that's so comfortable, but not helpful. You need to walk in your newness. You need to remember that you're a guest. I am a guest. I am not home. I'm not going to overly work on being at home because this is not my home. 
The last thing. I am a participant or a player. Which one of these parts of the resurrected life is God maybe whispering to you about today? How does he want you to not just look forward to resurrection, but how does he want you to live resurrected today? What is his whisper to you? Let's pray. Dear God, we want to experience the kind of resurrection that took place in you, not just the Old Testament kind of resurrection. Uh, We don't want to die again. We want to live more fully than ever before. So great God of heaven, help us to live out the truth that we are resurrected people. And God, I pray for the people here that haven't even asked you yet to be their Savior. That they're not living in the newness of life at all. And I, I pray, God, that they would humble themselves and ask you to be that Savior of their lives. That you would forgive them of their sins so they, they could find this newness of life. God, make us the creatures you designed us to be. We pray this in your name. Amen. Before we sing, maybe you need to write down on your piece of paper or in the margin of your Bible or you need to put it in a note inside your smartphone. I no longer dot, dot, dot. I am now dot, dot, dot. What is the piece that you need to remember from what God is saying to us today? Let's stand together. Um, I'm going to ask the prayer counselors to come up. If there's some way we can pray for you or some question that you have, we would love to have that little bit of dialogue with you as we end and as we can seek the Lord for you today. Uh, Let's use these songs to continue the meditation of what God is teaching us today. Go ahead and lead us.